you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is practicing with the first team offense. From the training camp of the Dallas Cowboys, it is Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. I got heroes with me, Greg Rosenthal and his hairy legs, and Mark Sessler. Hey, guys. I don't, I, this whole practice with the first team offense, I mean, camp and the preseason in general, let's be real, has become like less and less first teamers mm. doing anything and not even showing up in the games. Oh, we're absolutely like year 12 uh, veteran who's slowly ramping up. That starting spot is secured. I am, <laughs> it's so exciting to be here at Cowboys camp. We, we just uh, wrapped up um, a press conference with Zaddy himself, Mike McCarthy, uh, that just, you know, pinch me goosebumps moment for the old Zeuser. Uh, and, uh, I mentioned Greg's wearing shorts, uh, and you did, uh, you did choose, you had two choices this morning, Greg, you could have wore the, the short shorts or the longer shorts. You chose the longer shorts. Yeah. And I thank you because I have to say this to anybody at NFL network, colleagues, friends, many of you. You got to be aware of sitting in the director chair at, the, yeah. at these remote things with your short shorts. Why do we not know this thigh. by now? The right. fleshy male inner thigh is not something we need. And a lot of, and to be fair, a lot of, you know, you'd probably get less of that with Greg, but a lot of the people occupying these director's chairs are like ex-NFL linemen um, and just beefy general and people. So it's an excess of that body part. I mean, you don't have to mention uh, my abundance of hair body hair though i think that's that's rude i think that's the way to go we're at training camp everyone's in, in shorts we're not this is not an well, me and Sess are like fonzie over here kicking the uh, jukebox this is an this is hey. an audio medium uh your guy though zaddy it was nice to see him zaddying up front like he is in his element he very much are you starting to get it i do what i see in zaddy well i do because no I think he enjoys. Greg is just cozying up to you, but absolutely. Not. I think he enjoys being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys very much. That he embodies that in, in a zaddy way, where he's the man here. This is a nice time of year too. There's a lot to do. It's all about ball, but it's all about him. He's in charge too, and there's not a lot of pressure. And he's just like cracking jokes. He's so open with the media. I mean, he does 15. 20 minutes on a podium, then he does 15, 20 more minutes on the side with them, and it's just Gang like bang, he's, so, he's totally at ease. So, like, just from another angle, like, he does all that. He does it all very well, and I think that he is in a uh, very comfortable with his own skin, and I think that's where yeah. you're getting at a yes. little bit yes. with your definition of all this. Um, he is comfortable in his leadership role. He's taken on more than ever before with this team, and he seems to be uh, – delighted by the whole thing and he was great with the media and he's joking with individual you know reporters so i see all that um i just uh, i just disagree with the base definition of where we've we've already talked about this um, can we talk about the 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 seating arrangement 
I mean, let's show some respect, Mark. Uh, me and Rosenthal are sitting with the reporters in the folding chair. I knew, right this, would, I knew this would become a talking point. Mark, off to the side. Stand off as you won't even give McCarthy respect of being in front of I him. So, first of all, like, uh, it was a shaded <laughs> spot, which was appealing to me. And it's like, I don't, like, I, I'm, I was just observing from a different perch. You guys had the same camera angle. I, had, I, I was like, we want to cover it from all angles, so I'll go sit in a different place. I just wished you were. I knew. Next I, to us. I knew that would be annoying because you guys. might have seen a I different side of it. I did not I knew, even. I knew that would get get on the radar. It was like I'm not doing this. Is not because of you. It's because of the shade. It's because of Mike. That's what I'm saying. Right, but I mean, I got to see him from a side view. Mm. Like you saw him up front, like that. So you could have. Why not? Exp- if you're so fascinated with him, you could explore am, from different angles uh, yourself. I am fascinated with him. In fact, you know, it would be um, an abuse of my uh, duties as host of the show. I had to ask Mike McCarthy a question. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's listen in. Uh, Dan hands us around the NFL, NFL Network. Uh, Hard Knocks is starting up again this week. You were on the show a couple of years ago. Mojo moment was a thing that kind of took off. I was wondering if that comes back year after year, you change it, maybe a different Mike Myers vehicle, anything like that. Well, no, the Mojo moment's still there. Um, <laughs> you know, we've, we've, we use it in the pad of practices, so we, you know, we've, done it, we've done it every day since – We've been in pads, and uh, there'll, there'll be one today. So, What was the greatest mojo moment of camp so far? Follow greatest up, one so Jerry. far? Um, as the offensive coach, it was the two-point play. Uh, as the head coach, is probably, you know, the last one was, was pretty good for the defense. So. I didn't know what any of that meant at the end. I, um, I mentioned another Mike Myers vehicle, maybe the uh, – we're not worthy moment of the day, the extreme close up, something like that. Something from the Wayne's world the, world. The thing I love, because you know, a lot of these are, you know, people looking for a story angle or looking for basic data about players health. And so it's a lot, you know, it can be dry. And you elicited, um, I think you, you took him to a new place. And there were giggles throughout the crowd, and that's the great question. Got a couple of those, like, uh, the turn back. Like, well, who's who that guy? Is this yeah, guy well, looks, that's fine. Which you always expect when you're the stranger dropping in amongst the beat reporters. I've always been uncomfortable, whether it's Combine or something like this, just because if I was a beat guy, I don't want anybody in my time that's just, like, dropping by. And I feel that energy sometimes coming off, emanating off other beat reporters who sometimes could be a little cranky. Sometimes. Uh, Not um, here, though. Not like Well, the vibes Oxford. are good here. The I vibes are, like... Uh, very chill because they got to escape Dallas for a couple of weeks <laughs> yes. and hang out working like in a perfect uh, Southern California beach community. Helps. And isn't it diff- we were at Rams camp last year. They were defending Super Bowl champions last summer. And, you know, the Rams put together a really good operation there and everything was organized and clean and neat and friendly. But when you're rolling in, you get off the one oh one. Uh, and you head in and you start seeing the, the signs on the light posts and you pull in here and you see all the people dressed up. Uh, all the fans and uh, the the way they have all the merch and the food and the and then you see the fields. It just feels bigger. And I think that's part, uh, you know, we're going to talk to Brad Sham, the Sham God, a little bit later, who happened to be at that presser, a little uh, stroke of good luck for our show, uh, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, he was telling us, you know, he's been involved forever with the team. And Dallas, everything's bigger from uh, the training camp to the super, uh, to the Hall of Fame parties. And you feel that when you're here in a way that you're not going to feel it at other camps. There's no question. You also have, like, you have the huge signs coming in, Cowboys training camp, so that everyone can take their Instagram pictures and stuff. But they are just literally bigger than they would be at any other training camp. They're, like, 40 feet in the air. You have the tower, old Bear Bryant style, 
And, uh, you know, Jerry Jones was playing in the SEC, but like back when Bear Bryant was doing this, where like the owner is literally at the top of a tower, like coaches used to do in the 50s, barking out to players. And he's literally three or four stories above all the players, like looking down on his peons with the huge Cowboys logo on that. Like, you don't see that at all. Well, the other thing is because it's such a Cowboys. <laughs> Kind of, to it. It's kind of preposterous, but it's also I like it. So that's part good. of the Dallas Cowboys allure. Yeah, there's no way that you fly the Jacksonville Jaguars to Oxnard, California, and when you park, there's like four thousand Cowboys fans trying to get in. It's like on a Monday I, morning. Yeah, I'm sure some of them traveled here to make a, a week out of it, no doubt. But like that percentage is way lower than it would have to be with any other I team. I don't think They're so. All, I don't think you got to be in Oxnard in August. That's what everyone says. You're say, I'm saying that these are California-based <laughs> Cowboys fans. Yes. Like not they're, that many other teams. The most, Raiders, the Cowboys, a few others. Tops. They're mostly from the area. Almost Char all. I Anybody that works for the Chargers or listening right now, cover your ears. Like, they're not, in the, they're not getting a medal in most popular L.A. teams. I, I think it's Raiders, no. Cowboys, Rams in some order. And uh, that's amazing because you could make sense. I, I think that's the order, actually. Raiders, Cowboys, Rams. Rams, obviously, history here. Um uh, Chargers, uh, excuse me, uh, Raiders, history here. Uh, the Cowboys, they've, they've been the Dallas Cowboys as long as they've been a team, and yet they have such a following that goes back to just the allure of it all. And I know there are people listening to the show. They're even annoyed right now. I could picture like comments now. I can't believe they're doing kind of like a Cowboys episode of the show. But I think it's good to check in on this team because in addition to them being this bigger-than-life entity within the NFL, the team does matter, Greg, and we're going to talk to some players on the team. We're going to uh, excited to get out on the practice field and check out what's going on there. Uh, but first, let's get caught up from the weekend, do some news. I'm talking about the quarterback schools, the mini camp, the offseason, the training camp. Yeah. You know where this is going? When it was hot and you were tired. Everybody, you did one hell of a job. And only thing else I got to say is, how about them, yeah! <laughs> Dug that out from the archives. That was actually, you think that was after one of the Super Bowl triumphs of the 90s, Jimmy Johnson. That was after the 1992 NFC title game. Uh, that mm. famous uh, quote. And yeah, th it's very. Well, that felt like the Super Bowl. It did. With, with yes. the Bills in waiting. Right. With the, I think they beat the 49er. There's some classic games there in that era. Um, it's very important. We talked about this a few weeks ago, Mark. The team that everyone loves and the team that everyone loves to hate. And that's what the Cowboys are. That moment, I think it's like I, I had a best friend who was a Cowboys fan, and he's the one that made me a football fan. And, like, watching how quickly Jimmy Johnson turned that operation around from a 1-15 in 15 nightmare post-Tom Landry to an absolute juggernaut. Um, and so I invited my friend. I'll tell you a really fast story. I was in Washington, D.C. In, in college, and there was a Redskins-Washington game. And we were on the subway just going to go to Redskins Cowboys. Redskins Cowboys. Yep. Yeah, we were going to go to us like we were going to go to a sports bar. And out in this this subway car, my friend had a Troy Aikman jersey on, and there was like a thousands of Redskins fans. And like as we come to our stop, and you know the door is about to open, I just go, I want to tell you people something. <laughs> and like the whole place went silent because they're thinking like there's a terrorist, there's a bomb. We go, how about them Cowboys? We walk out, the doors closed, and we're just like everyone's just giving us the bird as we're driving off. Good stuff. That's awesome. Good memory, Mark. Um, all right, let's get to the news. Uh, Alvin Kamara will be suspended for three games for his role in a fight outside a Las Vegas nightclub last year. He was facing felony charges, pleaded that down, uh, took care of the legal side. Now the football side of it after a conversation with Roger Goodell last week. Uh, so he's out of the picture, Greg, uh, for three games. Jamal Williams 
is now stepping into a role from Detroit last year where he set the team record. Uh, to really get his, his footing in this offense, I think this is very good news for Jamal Williams, who gets to start in a big-time role with the rookie behind him. It's interesting they brought in Kareem Hunt for a workout or a meeting on Monday, so this could be uh, dated or they might not sign him right away. I, I didn't think that, that was necessary, and I don't think it's a bad thing for Kamara to miss three games. I think that was probably on the average or maybe a little less than what people expected. And uh, I did notice over the weekend, Nick Underhill, who does good work for uh, NewOrleansFootball.com, like he had an article where they have they have data, they have sensors on Alvin Kamara based on the work that he's done this offseason. His burst is back. They like they can prove it that he looks better, he looks different. I think he's going to have a monster year. Well, you've been you've been touting Kamara all offseason, so um, that's that's good evidence for you. I uh, this Greg's career is kind of hanging in the balance. It is a little because we had our running back, Kamara. you know, draft, and I thought that was a tough moment for Greg. Oof, rough. We've been over that. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I want to know what he talked about with Goodell because it's like these suspensions come out. One guy six games, one guy three, someone else the entire season, and like the like the actual variance of what occurred. Like Alvin Kamara's situation was not minor. No, it was I think a terrible look for the league and for him, and he acknowledged that. And it's like three games felt soft. I'm not trying to like bang mm. this hammer left and right, but it just felt a, a little bit like people forget about these things so quickly that the punishment's light, and we're talking about how fast he is on a monitor. I think there's I, something to be said there that it, it's interesting to me uh, as people who covered the sport what what the media and what the public latches onto in terms of outrage and anger and what a kind man of gets hitting rushed. another man like in a club does not get outrage. It just doesn't. But, I mean, that's not a. It's not. Doesn't mean it's excusable. And or, it's not. He's suspended three games. But to your point, and I by think, the way, it wasn't I think him taking it wasn't one on one. A man squaring up with another man and right. fisticuffs. No. This was a, a beating by a group of men that Kamara was a part of. Uh, it's kind of a vile thing, but it's it's something that, in in general, people just move past. I think taking accountability, settling the lawsuit, apologizing, saying it was his fault, and that he regrets it. That's fair. I think that actually does probably knock a game off. Maybe it shouldn't be like that, but if you compare that to something like Deshaun Watson where he, he never really took still accountability, hasn't. he's still getting hugs from Goodell, so maybe maybe it doesn't matter. I, I don't really know, but uh, I think that helped Kamara in this case. Uh, Chiefs edge rusher Charles Amenehue was suspended six games for violations of the personal conduct policy. Uh, that suspension stems from a domestic violence incident in, Jan uh, in January. Um so that was, you know, along those same lines. This is a, another violence incident involving a woman. Uh, he signed a two-year, $16 million contract um, at the time of uh, the situation. Yeah, I think that is telling. I mean, I, I think there would have there was some Deshaun Watson fatigue because when this happened last year, the 49ers were like, well, we're not worried about it. We're, we don't think it's a big deal. He ended up playing for them in the playoffs after this incident. And you're right, it didn't get uh, much attention at all. It didn't hurt his money. I think the NFL teams show you how seriously they take it, that he's still got a really good contract. I think the Chiefs are a little surprised, actually, that uh, he got suspended because I don't know if they would have given him all that money. And they are very thin in terms of their pass rushers. It is not a good pass rushing group, even with a Menahou. Yeah, I mean, it may help move things along with Chris Jones to some degree, but he was brought in to essentially replace Frank Clark. I wonder if someone like Carlos Dunlap, who was there a year ago, could yeah. be brought in because I think I think Clowney, right. right? They would not have played. Out there. I don't think they thought six games was going to be the result here. No, it was so off the radar, and that's where I think media coverage can make a difference. It was so off the radar that 
like the 49ers didn't take any heat for playing them in the in the NFC Championship or anything like that. And the Chiefs certainly didn't take any heat for the signing, and I don't think it affected his money at all. Um, but but he's taking the suspension. Interesting how it works. Yannick Ngakwe uh, signs a deal with the Chicago Bears. Nice money uh, this late. One year, $10.5 million, $10 million guaranteed for a guy that had 19.5 sacks over the last two seasons. Uh, Greg, that feels like I know Ngakwe is not the same guy he was a few years ago, but for a Bears team that could not get to the quarterback last year, uh, a nice signing. Also, Mercedes Lewis, the forever tight end. He <laughs> latches on with the Bears for another ride from the 2006 draft. Crazy. MJD is pumped. I think he was in the <laughs> same draft class with MJD. Am I crazy? Yeah. With the Jaguars. Yeah. That's why every Sunday, pumping him up every Sunday, every, every Sunday, Sunday night football when we're watching play. it, uh, Mercedes Lewis will be brought up in some capacity as somebody that needs he's, to he's like in his keep 18, playing. He's in his 18th year. I love that the Bears did that. I don't know if I love Ngakwe as a player. He's not good as a run defender. They immediately said he's playing every down, which says a lot about the rest of the Bears defensive ends that he's. But the money says that, too. But I hate unspent cap space. I really think teams don't when you have too. there is such a thing as too much cap space. And they had too much going into this offseason. They've tried to spend as much as they can, but I think it makes their team better. So, like, spend it. Yeah, I think this got them to the floor. But they this was, you know, this is a team with holes. But the pass rushing situation was pretty dire. I was surprised they didn't go. And Heat seeks some of the guys we'll talk about in this new segment that is signed somewhere else. Um, mm. I like Ngakwe, but other than that, you've got like Demarcus Walker. It's a really young defense. And it's like Matt Eberflus is heading Eberflus? into another season where like you're meant to put a stamp on this side of the ball. And that was the opposite of that happened last year. It's like what I want. I think he's under a lot of pressure to show that he's special. I think they feel good about their linebackers and their secondary. The secondary is pretty young. Uh, but you're right. They were a terrible defense. The Pro Football Hall of Fame, in other news. We've got to get out to the practice field. Yeah. But in other news, the Pro Football Hall of Fame welcomed nine new players uh, to the club uh, this weekend. Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, Ken Riley, uh, linebackers Chuck Howley, Cowboys great, Zach Thomas, uh, DeMarcus Ware, and Joe Thomas, along with uh, defensive lineman Joe Klecko of the Jets and coach Don Coryell. Famous of the Air Coriel uh, defense. Let's listen to a couple uh, quick sound bites, starting uh, with Zach Thomas on a player that and a friend that he misses. There's one person whose name I've yet to mention. His poster hung on my wall in college, and he was everything I wanted to be as a football player. He was my inspiration. He became my teammate and friend. Though he's not here physically, he's here in spirit and in a bust in that building behind me. I'm truly honored to join him. Junior Seah, love you, buddy. Mm, very sad, and uh, also connecting the uh, the past with his induction was Darrell Rivas, Jets great and Patriots Super Bowl winner. I didn't get the chance to play with this guy named Deion Sanders, but he was a prototype for me. What Jordan is to Kobe is prime to Rivas Island. You came first, and I wanted to play just like him. You, you were be, the roadmap to greatness. You got to be giving Thank your you speech for paving the way. in Canton to be able to just connect yourself to well, all those yeah. great an, players of all time. In another forum, I would bump up. I, I mean, not in, if someone else came up with that out of thin air, I would have a problem with it. But Darrell Rivas, okay. It was funny when he mentioned the Patriots quickly and the, the crowd just booze it's all <laughs> yeah. Jets fan there's not Patriots fans there Ruben on Ruben on Rivas there it was kind of like a funny I wouldn't say side plot but it was like I saw in the NBC coverage of the Hall of Fame game uh 
when they were interviewing before the game because it was like Rodney Harrison and Devin McCourty, and they're kind of giving him some grief about the Patriots, and he's feeling he's feeling awkward mm. with that. And there, there's just like a, a – and I think they were almost being – Rodney had a tone where he's almost being a jerk about it. It's like – No. Uh, where it was like, you know, don't forget it, Jets fans, essentially, uh, that, that he got his ring with that. Where Revis is like – Come on, bro. Like, uh, I was, no, that's I was, why I was, people I hate playing. the Patriots. I was just like playing. Um, but <laughs> he did play great for the Patriots, which I think actually was an important – not that he wasn't going to make the Hall of Fame, but I think it was an important coda to his career because Buxy was underrated, but it was a little up and down, and he did have one more great year, which is something you see with a lot of these Hall of Famers where there's that one yes. year, like 10 years in, where they remind you of why he was so great, and that was him in New England. And, you know, I have to talk about – it's Jets career then, if we're going to talk about that, just because. By the way, we got Ceedee Lamb walking right oh, by the set cool. here. Wow, he looks like Let's a get action hero. Um, watching him in his prime, that 08 to 12 when he he hurt his knee, uh, I'll never forget it. He's his ability to shut down the best player on the field just changed everything for Rex Ryan and that defense. And I'll always remember uh, the first year of Rex when they seemed like they were out of the playoffs, and Rex even came out after a bad Week 16 loss and said, well, we're done, the season's over. And then a bunch of things broke their way, and they had a chance to make the playoffs if they beat Cincinnati on Sunday night football. And this is when Chad, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocingo, was in, uh, seen as one of the great players. And Revis just erased them from that game. Then they had a rematch against Cincinnati the next week, and he erased Ochocinco mm. again. And he just did that regularly. It didn't matter. There was no guy that always got the better of Darrell Revis and uh, I'll uh, Stevie Johnson sort of famously was the one guy who would give him trouble. Where right. he was just like, I don't know what the hell Stevie Johnson's going to do. He just makes stuff up as he goes along. That um, playoff win over the Bengals was um, a high point for the Jets. I thought because the Bengals did not take them seriously at all. And they steamrolled them. Well, beating the Bengals in the playoffs is something everybody gets to do, you know, or used to well. be able to uh, finally, Zach, uh, excuse me. Finally, Joe Thomas, uh, Colleen Wolf's, friend and uh, Brown's great. With that said, it's the greatest honor of my career to be able to accept this lifetime award on behalf of all of Brown's nation. Pipe down, Mark. Cleveland, you could always count on me. Thank you so much for allowing me to count on you. Don't forget to keep showing up for each other. God bless the Cleveland Browns, God bless America, and God bless football, the greatest game of all. Thank you. Mark, they're calling you. They're calling you home. <laughs> Joe Thomas is someone I would I just snorted. Go home. Allow to guide me. You can go home. Hear the angels, the sirens waving you. Berea. Berea. Okay, so home by home you don't mean like the afterlife. You mean uh, the Browns, okay. Yeah. No, it sounds the, the the latter sounds more comforting. But uh I mean I don't I don't think being coerced into it is the is the organic way There's to There's no to coercement go. at all here. None, not at all. He Coercion. said he said it himself. Joe Thomas said stay together, stick together. Separate from all of that. I think he was talking to you. Separate from that Tom Fullery, like Joe Thomas, um, you know, we know him a little bit. He's been on our show. Like, I texted him just to say, like, the one thing I think about him is, like, we got to know him a little bit more as a person and as a broadcaster. And I know Colleen, like, thinks the absolute world of him. And he brought her into, like, his fold of, like, 
all these ex-NFL linemen hanging out, um, drinking, eating steaks, drinking beers. I'm like, Joe Thomas is a great guy who I hope continues to do television and broadcasting mm. and use his creativity for a long time because it's like he started out as this player that logged 10,000-plus consecutive snaps, never, never let anyone down. I've never done 10,000 things in a row. Who else has? And uh, <laughs> he's a special, special player and a good, good dude. Greatest uh, Brown of the last... What twenty five years? He was also great from his <laughs> first ever game. 30. Like it never, it, there's no growth process. He was great it, right away. It's it's crazy because he really made a he really talked about all the different quarterbacks he had and the, that he he literally said during his speech how he ended his career on a one and thirty one heater. And I was <laughs> like, wow, it is real. It's actually really unique to be like a first ballot upper tier Hall of Famer, no doubt about it, and associated with losing like it's it's a fascinating and he he like took it in in such a i don't know like such a it didn't seem to bring him down at all which is uh a credit to the man i do have one like turn in the punch bowl take on the hall of fame because right. i'm into the hall of fame i would love to be I a know voter. you are so i would like to be a voter so, yeah, I, I have thoughts and i i don't know what the solution is here there's there's too much posthumous guys getting in and i don't mean that they don't deserve to get in i mean this is like the greatest moment in their um careers even posthumously and for their families and it should be a moment of celebration and i kept thinking because you know ken riley is no longer um with us the bengals cornerback don coriel uh chuck howley is alive but wasn't able to speak just because of medical stuff i'm thinking like this was so bittersweet for all of their families and everyone. It's not, it was, it was a celebration, but they're also like really sad about it. And I, and I'm not saying you shouldn't like let them in. I'm saying like, they should come up with a way that like the same amount of people should be getting in, but do it early because this is, it's like a celebration for the living. I honestly think like it's a little bit of an issue when four well, of the, the family gets four the, of the night, the, the, the remaining family does get so I understand it's, what you're saying. It, I'm not saying don't yeah. do it. I, I'm I'm almost trying to s- speak for them because hearing them talk about it too, they say it's bettersweet. It's like the definition of bettersweet sure. that he, they can't be there. I think the problem with Greg, it because I like, every, you can I think come everyone, up structurally with I think getting the you. veterans committee There's, in guys maybe a little earlier in the process. There's maybe nobody it's not here a that thinks wait. that it's better that it, that it, they should be right. celebrated as a dead person than a, than a living person. So that that's I get we all get that, but like. There's a bottleneck because even if you look at the next year's eligible class, right. it's guys that we literally covered on this show. It's like there's so many eligible people. It's like you just need to – when, when we were growing up, you'd let like five people into the Hall of Fame every year. And there was a lot of t- diminished smaller classes. Right. Now you're adding categories, new items, and the classes are getting bigger and bigger. So you just have I'm to just ask how big you want the class I'm saying that this is a lot of people take this very seriously, and I wonder – if anyone with the like, whether they've thought about logistical things they can do, which is basically just shorten the period from when you're like a uh, uh, eligible person the first time uh, around and the veterans, shorten it up. That, this better be Gregory. This oriented. is football heaven. What? What is this? <laughs> we're going to heaven. We're gonna go to a Cowboys practice. That's Sirens, leave them alone. Or is this maybe to your point? It's I hard to say. So. Yeah. I, Eight o'clock delight. Oh no. 
Logan Wilson, Cam Jordan, and Malik Hooker, who's out on the field right now, the safety for the Cowboys, all got contract extensions this weekend. I love that Logan Wilson deal. Uh, and Cam Jordan, I think that's his fourth contract. I mean, the Bengals under Lou Anaramo and keeping mm. Logan Wilson, keeping Jermaine Pratt, there's consistency. I love that for this team. That I, I thought he was the best free agent linebacker that was going to be available. Justin Houston to the Panthers. Nice What's this move. doing in 8 o'clock? He can still play. I figure we got to get moving. Uh, Broncos have had a lot of injuries. <laughs> Jonas Griffith, who's a rotational linebacker, but a, a contributor for them. And then Riley Moss, a rookie who's maybe going to start at cornerback. Uh, both out. Griffith for the season, Moss for at least Oofa. a month. And then Jeff Okuda. The cornerback for the Falcons out at least they a month. Cannot get it going. Jeff Kuda, the former first round pick of the Lions, trying to start over. All right, that's what's happening in the news. All right, boys. It is time for us to hit the practice field where the Cowboys are doing their thing. We'll come back here, talk to some players, share some takeaways. This sound like a good plan. Mark, is this a good plan? I think it's a master plan. Good. Might suit you up. Put you out there with third string. Hey, offense. he played. I did. I've taken a look at the current players, and I don't think that's a great idea for me. Well, a lot of big men. All right, let's see if Mark can get out there and still play the guitar. But before that, I want to tell you something. Promo time. Football is back, and NFL Network has every preseason game, including 23 live. Big names putting new cities on their backs, a new class putting their names on the map. Listen to this. Your team is back in action. It's time for football. The NFL preseason, August 10th through the 26th on NFL Network and streaming on NFL+. Plus. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back. Uh, just off the practice field is the great linebacker of the Dallas Cowboys, Leighton Vander Esch. Leighton, welcome to Around the NFL. Another W yeah. for the D in practice today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... It was, felt like it was a pretty even practice today. Uh, it was fun. Um, I mean, they got they got theirs and we got ours, but uh, that's what makes practice fun is, is you know, when, when you got a good team, uh, I mean, it's battling back and forth, and, and they're going to get some and we're going to get some. So uh, it makes the atmosphere fun. Everybody's flying around having fun. I don't know if we've ever had um, an athlete, a player, right off the field. You still got the gloves on, the cleats. <laughs> The pads. Are you a little worried? Like it's a, it's too intimidating for sitting next to Mark here, who, who was a former. <laughs> you're, in, you're intimidated. Yeah, but was a former player in like uh, 1991 in in Pee Wee football. But he did play. Yeah, renowned. <laughs> oh man. He's like, how do I answer that question? Uh, There's no I don't way to even answer. know that wasn't an answer. Right, or let question. me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So the the Stan Quinn defense really balled out last year. Okay, where where do you think the Cowboys stand in, in that conversation of the best defense? Do you think it gets overlooked a little bit when they talk about it? Uh, I mean, we're focused on proving ourselves every single day. So uh, it really doesn't matter what we did last year or the year before. Um, we're trying to better that and, and be absolutely elite this year. So, uh, But we have to come out here and put in the work every single day to do that. So um, we can talk about it all I want, but at the end of the day, it don't matter. And that's yeah. not what we're focused on. We're focused on being the best version of ourselves. Uh, and, and as a crew as a defense. Uh, about a week ago, this video surfaced of um, 
Diggs and Dak getting into it in the end zone. And, like, I, you know, I, the thing that annoyed me and annoyed all of us because, like, the next day on all the Talking head shows, everyone's asking, is this an issue? Can you just clear up? That, like, in training camp, you've been doing this for weeks. Um, it's hot out. You guys are challenging each other. Don't these things happen all the time and you just move on with it? It's every day, probably every minute occurrence in practice. Um, it's normal. So Two football guys chopping yeah, it up it's, there. It's <laughs> just want to clear up that myth. We're all you know? used to it. <laughs> I, I saw you guys getting after a little bit today. You, you were coming off the edge a lot. You've, you've been in kind of an off-ball linebacker mostly, but just at least in this practice we were watching you mm-hmm. mo- mostly coming off the edge. Is that a different role for you? What, what are you doing? Yeah, really just trying to grow my game and, and just be more dynamic, just keep growing in, in any area I can, just keep developing. Um, I mean, adding tools to your toolbox, it's super important in this game. And, and obviously it can make it tough on a lot of other offenses. So, uh, just trying to better myself, uh, as an individual player. So it betters the defense. I'm curious, like you're kind of the quarterback of that defense. You've, you've been with this defense now a long time looking at the Eagles in your division. Obviously that that's a team that, that got to where you guys want to go to last year, the Super Bowl. When, when you're watching them, when you're on the field against them, are you more worried about, like, what are they going to do next and, and trying to figure out what they're going to do? Or are you more worried about just you know what they're going to do, but they just do it so well, how do we stop them? Um, I'm really worried about what we're doing um, because I know that if all 11 guys on our team and on our side of the ball are doing what they're supposed to be doing, nobody's going to beat us. So mm. uh, it's focusing on ourselves, really. What about, uh, like, during a practice like today or maybe even in a real game, does your mind ever drift and you're just thinking about like um like tacos or Xbox or other things? <laughs> or are you just Barbie. like a robot? Are you like uh, super laser focused nonstop? You try you try as much as you can to be as, as laser focused as you can. Your mind might drift here and there. Uh maybe if you're like if you just subbed out or something, but I mean that's what's important is if you can realize that and bring yourself back in and and lock back in. That's the important thing. You got to be able to catch yourself in those moments. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you're thinking about anything else. You got to bring yourself, reel yourself back in mm. and lock in every single play. Cause those, those are mental reps that you can get on the side. Every, every rep during practice is your rep, regardless of whether you're on the field or whether you're on the side. Like I get that, but the, this is news well, for the yeah. guys. So. Well, Mark's <laughs> actually been thinking about tacos the whole time you were answering so, that question. Last question, because you know, you're a busy guy and fresh out the practice field. I, I got to make it a question that's important and it counts. I'm looking at your cleats again. You're in full uniform. Uh, you're a gridiron warrior. There's a rip in the cleats. Uh, do those disappear forever now, or do you do you have uh, lucky cleats or cleats that you are attached to, or you, is that it for these now? Uh, well, I just broke these in, so mm. and I got oh, a huge rip in them last practice, so yeah. I'm going to keep wearing them. Oh, you ride with them? Yep. Well, again, Mark, you can relate, I know. <laughs> to less and less of a degree. Yes. Uh, Lade Van Der Esch, thank you so much uh, yeah. for giving us a few minutes here, and best of luck in 2023. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, there he goes, a tight five with Leighton Van Der Esch. Uh, Mark, a little too much callbacks to the, your, your playing days or not enough? <laughs> no, I thought it was um, far too many, uh, and I think we threw him off off key a little bit with that, but that's okay. He, I think he underneath it, he understood this guy did play roughly two and a half decades ago, maybe. That you, this guy, he, he yeah, well, Greg, Greg, I mean, you, also you made it very clear. You made it. I think you made the situation extremely clear, and uh, <laughs> I think you, you painted a fair picture of that. I played irrelevantly as a youth. I uh, he he reminds me of a player that you could imagine playing. 20, 30 years ago, I like agree in with the eighties or nineties, he always, he always had yeah the neck roll. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was because of his injury concerns. But I always think of West when I think of Leighton Vander Esch. Yes, he was so in on that rookie season 
Jalen Smith too, the two of them together. Of of Leighton and Vanderoff, and he and he's a good example of man NFL careers. Like he's only been in the league since 2018, but he's had ups, he's had downs, he's he's had injuries, and it's cool to see him uh, established. Now he's he's one of the leaders he, of this team. I mean, going into last year, it seemed like maybe he was already part of their past in terms of being yes. an impact player, and then he has a, a really nice bounce back season, and he's an important guy, and maybe we'll start. We'll start there as we, you know, we were on the practice field. Very cool. It was very good vibes on the field. We, you know, we got, we got to watch uh, some of the defensive drills and we went and saw a really good um, long uh, 11 on 11 with the Cowboys offense with Dak and the first team uh, really matching up against the defense. And we talked to Clarence Hill who's covered the Cowboys forever. And he said, it's been the defense most days. Uh, and, uh, this this day was the offense was better, and yet Greg, it, it seemed very hard for the offense to move the ball against Van Der Esch in this defense in, in the practice that we saw. Yeah, I I guess at the very beginning, like they hit a mojo moment, so that that's a big that's a big Huge. Uh, spot for them. And in the run game, had some moments, but they just couldn't protect Dak Prescott. He didn't have Ceedee Lamb out there, but it like looked like the 49ers playoff game because within two seconds of every single one of these plays, he's facing an incredible amount of pressure and they're not holding anything back. Dan Quinn is showing a ton of different formations. Parsons is all over the field. I mentioned how Van Der Esch is, is on the edge and they're winning time after time after time. If we had all the time in the world, um, like I, I would want to ask like uh, offensively, like are you getting sick of Michael Parsons? Cause he was in the backfield. He would have had, three or four sacks in the plays that we watched. Yeah, but then it, then you go face lesser defenses, and I think all this work sure. has you know is has a huge benefit on the offense. But you're right. I thought for chunks of the of the of the session they weren't really trying to test the ball deep. They didn't have CD. They were working on a lot of like throwing to running backs and doing stuff over the middle. But the one thing about being at these practices on the sideline and you're you know they're they're catching a screener and coming within two feet of you, and it's like you get a sense for how massive and gigantic these people are. And like the Cowboys defense to me, especially physically looks so intense. And it was th these practices, like they've been heated. We knew that there were, had been fights and stuff before. And like today it was just like kind of an eye opener to see how hard they were going at each other. I just, uh, I, all I was thinking was like, don't come this way. Don't come this way. Cause there was a couple of times where the guys come hard. Yeah. And, and, and at that point there's, you're if, you're, if you're in the wrong spot, you, you are, you're you're making headlines. You're getting I, you're getting tweets. It's you're li you're living that down. So I, we we survived. I saddled up next to Mark and I did throw out a hypothetical to Mark. What would happen if there was a a collision <laughs> on the sideline? You get hit. You just get caught in the wrong spot of the arm. Right. There's some nerve damage. There's only so much doctors can do at this time in terms of modern medicine and science. You lose the arm. Uh, I mean, is it? Do you want to live at that point? Because you have to tell that story for the rest of time. Yeah. That you lost the no, arm. To answer your question, yes. Like, that's your answer. On it's the a, sideline. It's a belittling, I have a family. Right. It's a belittling scenario. <laughs> I would essentially turn around immediately um, and sue the Cowboys and see what I can get out of it right. financially. That's definitely. I'm sure we'll get a credential next year after that. I would possibly walk into the ocean. Mm. With a minus arm. I just don't want to tell that story. It's over a terrible. There's yeah. no way the story is going to make anyone more impressed with you. No. Or me or Greg. Greg seems to think that, uh, you know, it's something that he could tell with pride. I don't know. I, it's not so much that, but I still believe I would have uh, a lot to live for. It was just uh, bad luck, ultimately. I maybe wouldn't try we'll to take get the high the road, Rosenthal. And, um, you know, I've got my children to, to think about. Uh, uh, but I, I was worried. But what about your pride, Greg? <laughs> I have no I have no pride. Um, <laughs> I lack pride. I, I was thinking, like, 
watching that practice. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is an inspiration for for anyone uh, like myself, five six and under, um, to be out there. And they they popped some running plays. They were getting excited. You could tell they actually took advantage yes. of Parsons' aggressiveness on one play and actually did pop a nice running play. But asking Deuce Vaughn to pass protect, and he was scary. he was there no, with the work. he was there with the starters, and he, he did okay on a few. Uh, but then there were a couple that were like, okay, this is what training camp is for. You're trying it out, but I don't know if you want uh, him protecting Dak Prescott on Sunday. He's a fan favorite, though. We'll yes. see out where we are in October. <laughs> so there's November. an unnamed person who told us that it's you want to get him on video and share it as much as possible. Oh, yeah. It's called deuce porn because people <laughs> just like to see a guy that little yeah. uh, to thrive on the football field. And you did, great point on that, that you heard the player is whooping it up on some of those running plays, Deuce included, um, because everything you read from the beat report is that the defense has been winning. And seeing Micah Parsons up close, it's like, uh, Crazy. listen, like we don't know where he's going to come down at the end, but the the LT comparisons aren't off base at this point based on what he's done so far. And the way the beat writers talk about him, it's in hushed tones. Like he's literally ruining practice for the offense because they're just trying to get their feet wet and he's living in the backfield. So watching his combination of size and speed, everybody looks big and fast here when you're here, especially if you don't cover these teams day to day, like we don't do that, but he stands out even more as just like this freak. It's kind of cool to see it up close. No, their defense. I mean, it looks to be like picking up where it left off. I'll tell you one other person that kind of changed my mind about them a little bit. Jerry Jones. Like, I mean, every time I looked, he's up in a, like a stage somewhere taking photos with tons of people. He was walking guests around like the fans were going crazy well, for him. I mean, I just say like there's owners that like they're billionaires and they vanish and like the football side of it. Oh, but he's, he loves it more than anyone he, else. He's up in the tower, like pointing out. He plays, lives. So, you he know. lives for this. This is the world that he built. I, I was impressed by because he's, I think, in his 80s now. At one point, I saw him on the far side of one of the two practice fields here. And then I walked the corner and I came down the sideline towards where they were doing the 11 on 11. And Gerald was up in the tower, right. which was easily 100 yards away, and then an elevator or five flights of steps. How did he do it? I don't know. <laughs> Not a small guy either. Former, uh, <laughs> former you know, college player. player. Former, former D1 athlete. Yeah, that's true. Uh, any other takeaways from practice? Mm. I got I got one. I, I posted it on uh, X, Twitter, Twitter. Just say Twitter. I, that's fine. Uh, or X. It's really hard. It's tough. It's tough sitch. Tough sitch for the journalism community. Uh, Dak unfurled a beautiful deep ball that wasn't brought in. But as good as the uh, running game was, like everything, everything was checked down and short and everything was covered. So I do think there's so much with the Cowboys. There's so much coverage of Dak, the Dakness of it all and the offense and and the the narrative around this team and the, the failure to step up in big moments in January. That the defense, I do, I and Banderesh uh, go under the radar a little bit. Uh, Parsons, not so much, but the defense has a chance to really carry this team as much as the offense. I, you know, you you just line it up, and I would say the Cowboys or the 49ers should be the best defense in the league. Now, defense is very hard to predict, but to me, those are the two teams going into the season that I would go with because Parsons, like, yeah, he's had a, a, an all-time great start to his career. But he was, like, playing another position. Like, he didn't even really know how to be an edge rusher. He was still playing off-ball linebacker at this point in practice a year ago at this time. And, like, the sound that you – that everything that's coming out around him and how he's showing up to this camp sounds like he's maybe at another level. And him at another level with four or five 
uh, defensive ends behind him that are really good and a really good secondary. They've got them all lock locked up. We mentioned the Malik Hooker. I, I just think this defense is loaded. And, and I talked to uh, Michael Galkin, who's covered this team for a while now, used to cover the Chargers now, the Cowboys. He said this is easily the best team he thinks he's ever covered between those Chargers teams and, and the Cowboys teams over the last well, 10 years. Well, and the offense is going through. I know it's still Mike McCarthy. It's going to be more similar than a complete, like, basic change on offense, but that's still a transition, but it's another year in Dan Quinn's defense, and it's like Van Der Esch talked about adding stuff to his game, adding stuff to what he can do, and it's like they're going to do that with all these guys. They just look completely cohesive. Um, it's cool seeing up close practice what these teams work on because they have to be ready. Oh, here comes Joe Red Pies. Um, they have to be ready for. You we, know, got, we got a little wave. Um, that was a, so a Jerry point. Jones just walked by. That was like a low, like a fist wave, and it was just kind of like a. It was wave a point. It was us. a point. Do you think he recognized? No, absolutely not. I unless he remembers the chance. time that I approached him at the uh, combine. Yeah, but we've been on night. TV. And there's a chance. I mean, there's an NFL outside network. chance he saw the NFL Plus polos that we're wearing, but I think it's more likely that I kind of pointed to him first. I I looked for the the. I think you he recognized recognition. me. I think. That, I think that's what I think. I think it's very interesting to hear everyone's takeaways on this particular situation. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, I was a big fan of the end around back in the day. Uh, uh, we've uh, accomplished a lot at NFL media and he is like, he's got his fingers and everything. That's fair. Um, maybe he knows the podcast. He know, well, he knows me probably. So um, <laughs> I wanted to say, yeah, it's crazy seeing it up close. The, uh, they have drills to react the def defense, how to react to a loose ball. They're doing scooping scores and seeing how, Everybody even has a role with that, that you're trained to be ready for those scenarios. Then like a six foot eight, 320 pound guy is rumbling into the end zone, scoring a touchdown. And he's right. very happy about and it. And they even build in a TV timeout. You hear on the, on the sound system, it's like these guys then take the break because they're trying to simulate these things, be ready. One other thing, we got Michael Gallup coming up. I right. have one more thing. You guys want to throw out anything? Please do. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer will always be 31 years old. He's got to be in his mid-40s now. Very vivacious. Point. I think he learned some secrets vivacious. from Pete Carroll. He, well, no, he was out there chopping <laughs> it up. That's he, the first time vivacious has not been used to like describe a young woman. And I appreciate <laughs> it. I think we should ungender vivacious. You you have to be, you have to have a certain true, level ungender vivacious. We will. Let's make a note of that. You have to do, to wear the visor backwards. I think, was it upside down too? He's been doing that for a long I mean, time, but yeah. To do that move, um, when you are in your fourth decade, it takes a little bit of it takes a little uh, nards and he well, does it. His father had some fire and I see some, it in him. Some, he's putting the nard in Oxnard. <laughs> I'll, uh, here's another little <laughs> takeaway, by the way. The, these refs are in summer shape out here. We 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 put we, the you know. nards in Oxnard around the NFL. Oh, there's a cell, Eric. Um, anything else? I think we covered it. <laughs> All right. With that said, we saw the, the defensive side of the ball. We're talking about Leighton Vanderash. Now let's talk about a very important piece of the offense, Michael Gallup. Hit it. All right. Our next guest is a very important piece of the puzzle for the Cowboys in 2023. Wide receiver Michael Gallup, welcome to Around the NFL. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Uh, so happy to have you. Michael, this is uh, – read about it. You're, you're a full year, another year removed from knee surgery and you say that your mental game, mentally, you're all the way back. I was curious, as like a professional athlete, what was it last year that just made, 
felt different and how are things in a different place now in a better place uh, i think just coming off you know really any injury uh you gotta you gotta make sure that you have your mentals right um i mean everybody says they're good you know but there's always something a little bit up under the table that you're not trying to express to everybody mm. but uh that was that was my big problem uh, i said i was good uh mentally i really wasn't but uh physically i knew i was good so i could go out there and do enough but you know it wasn't enough to be out there you know I shouldn't have been playing like that. Do you feel like it, you're in a better, uh, kind of a good spot here because they bring in Brandon Cooks, obviously CDs here, and now you're feeling better physically and mentally, and maybe they're not expecting as much on the outside, and it kind of sets you up nice to surprise some people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that's how it's kind of always been, you know, all my years here playing for the Cowboys. i uh, just kind of been that, you know, third wide receiver, little outlier. But, uh, I mean, if they get doubled, that means I'm, I am got to be one-on-one. -on -one, so that's, that's easy pickings for me. I was watching you out there in practice today, and I was wondering who who would you rather go against, and, w and what's the difference when you're lining up across from either uh, Trayvon Diggs or Stephon Gilmore? I'd rather go against Trey. Stephon, he's he just too smart. He calls out the play before you even line up. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty tricky playing with him, but uh, they're both good competition. Uh, either one of them, I like going up against either one of the great football players, uh, just helping me get better. He's Trayvon sounds like he, he talks a lot. Do you talk do you talk back? Trayvon talks more to Dak. He doesn't really mm. talk to the wide receivers. <laughs> we learned that. Yeah. Do you like these camps, like uh, you know, I know it's been a grind at this point, you've been here for a long time. They always talk about it being you go away, you you guys are a special team that goes to a completely different part of the country. You're hanging out together all the time. Is it like a bonding experience or are you kinda like I love you guys, but I need to have some of my own time. Like, what does the rest of the day look like? Can you get away? You and bring in your own bed? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, McCarthy actually does it pretty well for us. Uh, he sets it up to where it's like, you know, we're not just in meetings till 10 p.m. at night and stuff like that. He's done, you know, A's. He's done, uh, figured it out that you don't have to be in meetings, uh, you know, 24-7. Everybody needs their own time to recover, mm -hmm. you know, have their own space. So uh, I definitely just go back to my room because I know I'm going to be with you, you know, at 7 in the morning again all the way till about 6. What do you do in the, like, uh, reading books, playing games, like – Talking to people on the phone. Uh, mine's, mine's more, you know, calling family and stuff, checking okay. in on mm -hmm. everybody. I'm nosy, sorry. This is definitely coming from Mark's, <laughs> like, yeah, he's imagining himself as a player, and he, and he was a former player, you know, in, in Pee Wee, because he would be trying to get away from us. It would be too much time with his coworkers. He would just be, like, hiding out in the room. Well, yeah, that's definitely understandable. I can hear it. There's always a couple of those is guys. It, does uh, Mike McCarthy allow guys to, like, ship in their own beds and stuff? Has that happened with this team? Uh... I doubt it. And, you know, doesn't that show why the Cowboys are a team to mm. reckon with? Because we'll sleep in, like, the, the beds that are uncomfortable here. I mean, it's, it's not about... a dorm. It's a hotel. It's not well, too bad. It's not the at same least it's not like bed. a bunk bed or anything. You know, me, I, I can get my own room now. So, you know, <laughs> we're did, up there a little bit. Who did you grow up uh, rooting for? Were, were you a football fan? Uh, no, nah, I really just rooted for players. You okay. know, I love watching uh, Calvin Johnson, uh, definitely Julio Jones. Uh, Crumpler, to be honest, and Michael. Algie Crumpler. Yeah. Okay. Well, that one kind of snuck up. Like, on <laughs> did the Cowboys ever get on your radar when you were like a kid? As like, why did why did the Cowboys get so much attention? Do you nah. hear too much about these Cowboys? I was doing too much other stuff. I wasn't even really playing sports when I was little. Really? I was out there on the farm. I was fishing. I was doing all type of stuff. I wasn't really into sports like that. Wow. What is your What is your? Uh, I know it's a long way off, hopefully, but your post NFL life is it back to the farm? Post NFL life. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to be a pro fisherman, to be honest. Oh, I like Wow. Fisherman. Fly fisher? Or what? No, no, just straight bass. I ain't do that fly. That's too much work for no reason. That's, <laughs> that's why I always say, like, with these parents that have their kids in one sport all the time, and it's just like, focus, focus. Yeah. It's like, if 
if you're man, if you're good enough to be a pro athlete, you can just be like Michael Gallup, <laughs> not caring about sports, not playing sports, out there fishing, and then you'll end up in the pros anyway. Are you are Surely. you anti farm now at this point, or are you just saying you don't, <laughs> no. you, don't you don't want to make that the center I, of your? Activity? I, I can't be anti farm. My sister yeah. has like 400 acres back home in Georgia, that's so it's good. like when wow. I go home, that's that's the only. We're place gonna I'm set up like a point counterpoint, Michael Gallup versus Willie Nelson <laughs> on farm life and the future of it in this country. Uh, Michael, uh, can't wait to see you back on the field. I feel good, legit, not just because he's here. Michael Gallup is having a big year this year and is going to be a major reason the Cowboys are going to be better on offense this year. Good luck to you, good sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. There he goes. You know, Greg, I personally had made the decision to not bring up Mark Sessler's playing days after we hit it hard with Van Der Esch, but you went right back at it. And and, and you could tell Sessler is getting a little agitated. Oh, and I said, you're playing with it. fire, bro. Uh, Mark, yeah. I, I, it just came up naturally. It wasn't naturally. Uh, I feel a like stretch. it's a like a, a mind control attempt by Greg to uh, like body shame the person to his left so that his own body isn't compared to the giant player sitting to my left. I mean, this is that's this, an incredible theory. It's so wild. It just sticks. Maybe you're right. Everyone, now, everyone, everyone, is... everyone around us is laughing because they can see the the threads connect. No, they're here. laughing because they just got inside of Mark Sessler's mind, and it's a. It's a dark no. place. But All right, let's ask. Place. I think that's ask. absolutely Wait, correct. Let's, let's let let's let uh, our great team here, Parker, Eric, Jay, Randy. Do you think Greg was <laughs> attempting to body shame Mark um, by making the references to his playing career, Pee Wee, with a big player next to him? Let's hear it. Yes. No. <laughs> big Randy. Randy's nodding. He's nodding. Okay. Jay behind the camera. I think we lost some of the details no. there. Three All to right. one. So three to <laughs> one did. says well, uh, Greg. You, it was it was nefarious. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed, but my body's like immaculate. I'm huge. I'm strong. I'm big. That's why I bring it up to these players because there's such a contrast Spin between zone. me and you. When no, it's I've coming heard, yeah. from someone like me, it's like. Oh, yeah, he's really picking on the little guy here. Yeah, well, anyone on the audio version only can assess that that's correct. Uh, Gallup, I, first of all, I liked him. Yeah. Uh, and I and I believe what I said. I think he is set up. Um, and I, it's a tough way. To, it's a tough question to answer. But I can only imagine last year when you're supposed to be, quote, unquote, healthy, but you don't trust your body and you look at his numbers, they were so depressed and he's almost like where Leighton Vander Esch was a year ago, where you've almost, are you moving on from him at this point in terms of viewing him as a key piece? But if certain things fall the right way and he's physically right, I think he could be uh shoot. I think he could get back to being a 1000 yard receiver, even with mm. cooks in the building. We've seen it. I mean, I, it's just another lesson where like these guys a year ago, he's forced to ask or answer all these questions about his physical body, his readiness and a lot of it is mental. And like, what are you going to say other than, like, yes, I'm ready? Because you can't expose any weakness. And, like, now a year later he's admitting, like, yeah, my head was not in it the same way I would want it to be. Like, body trying to get there. It's like anyone that's coming off a major injury that tells us they're fine, like, it's a wait-and-see territory. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of focus, I think, now on mental health in terms of, like, how we cover the NFL. But that that's mental health, too, in that, like, it's pretty remarkable how open and honest he is about it. It's like I, I wasn't right at this time a year ago. And it, and it is something I do keep in mind with these players that it's like they're coming off the ACL and and they're they're two weeks away from full contact and they'll be ready for week one. And it is a good thing to keep in mind. That's like there's a lot of obstacles and some some will be fine, but some that are even on the field. Uh, I thought that that shows a lot, a lot of confidence, I think, that you're 
able, if you're him, to just be so open and, and say that, and that bodes well. Ready for week one is one of the trickiest yeah. things uh, in the summer because, yeah, all these guys that are just trying to be ready, but are you all the way back? Are you physically back? Maybe, maybe not. Are you mentally back? Maybe, maybe not. And it sounds like Gallup was really neither last year, and that's not how he feels this year. All right, um, more fun. Let's talk to the voice of the Dallas Cowboys, mm. shall we? Here comes Brad Sham, the Sham God. We are pleased and thrilled to be joined by the voice of the Dallas Cowboys, a man whose voice has become an important part of our Sunday flagship program. He had no idea until now. Here is Brad Sham. And sh Brad, you should know that I always, when I call your, your uh, calls out, I say, Brad Sham, the Sham God. <laughs> I've, I, when when God Sham God was playing at Providence, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I heard I heard that a lot. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't think it was talking about me. But uh, Dan, I was I was not uh, trying to be humble when I told you before. I'm glad that you play the highlights, and the reason I'm glad is uh, my life is a lot better when they play well. Mm. And those highlights don't have anything to do with me. It, that's about them. You could be Vin Scully, and if the team stinks, you're never going to hear his voice. No, so. we only play the winning highlights. So exactly. Like the Jaguars play-by-play <laughs> -play guy had a few years there where he so basically wasn't on the There's a show. reason they're called highlights. You don't like to cover a team that goes through some waves of intense chaos as the Cowboys have I have. Done. I've been, uh, this yeah. is my 45th year. You've seen name, it all. A, name an Whoa. emotion and a, something, a, a, a circumstance. I've, I've experienced all of them. <laughs> well, you've, uh, with that said, you just got back from Canton where DeMarcus Ware, yep. Cowboys great, inducted into the pro football Hall of Fame, a man who's been around uh, from the glory days with Landry in the 70s into the 80s, and then Jarrah, of course, in the 90s, and still the Cowboys, even without the was titles. Was that a Jarrah? Did he just drop a Jarrah I, in there? He oh, likes yes. we do. I thought Sham God was your nickname. He just makes up <laughs> nicknames for everyone. Mike McCarthy's Zaddy. I've written know. on NFL.com just casually J-E-R-R-A-H. Yeah. They, don't, they never catch it. By, by the way, if he's calling Jerry uh, Mike McCarthy Zaddy, I think we've got a whole other set of problems. <laughs> oh, we've, got, we've got large problems, trust we've me. We've got a whole other Listen, don't get me kicked That's out of here. That's a whole new Brad. podcast right there. Brad, my, my question is, like, you've been to some probably epic <laughs> ragers. Like, I think Justin Timberlake played uh, Jerry's that, Yeah, stop there. Fame. Yeah. That's, that was is the that one. the ultimate party? Yeah. I, I mean, Jerry built a tent. He built <laughs> he built a city. And uh, <laughs> and and uh, every 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 flashy thing that you could think of happening in there. Uh, happened, and when Justin Timberlake is on the stage doing a private show for you for 45 minutes and you're standing at the foot of the stage, that's I'm not looking for better than that, really. <laughs> yeah, you were telling good. us before the show that I, I had no idea the players have to pay for their own party. Yeah, so, yeah, but, I, I don't think Jerry Jones is going to be one that's complaining about it. Well, no, Jerry was going to pay whatever, you know. But uh, I think, yes, I mean, I don't know the percentages, but I know that through mm. time, Guys have had to pay for their own. And then, so in the case of DeMarcus Wares, uh, I know that the Cowboys and the Broncos were officially listed as as putting the party on mm. together. And I think that what that means is they made sure DeMarcus didn't have to spend any more than necessary. And I don't want to forget Chuck Howley either. When we're talking mm -hmm. about the Hall of Fame, he was you – know, Tom Landry said he was the best linebacker he ever coached. Mm. And uh, that we're just in an era now where if you're 35 years old – or uh, younger, you never heard of Chuck Howley until they announced his name. But he was a special player and uh, a tremendous 
guy, great in the Dallas community. I feel like this playing for your or paying for your own party is not cool on some levels, but especially it's one thing if you're Troy Aikman and you've established yourself as like a multimillionaire uh, 12 times over, but some of these senior guys that what kind of party are they hosting? It would be like at a you know, YMCA because you're, you don't have that, that money from back then. I would say maybe a little uh, step up from a YMCA. Okay. Not that there's anything wrong with a YMCA. Sure, it's a nice place. But, uh, but yeah, I would say uh, <laughs> I would say a little more sedate, perhaps. What are the vibes uh, of the Cowboys now? You were there for the 90s glory years. Now there's been this long run, obviously, without getting back to the big game. Uh, Urgency-wise, this season, how important do you think this is for whether it's Mike McCarthy? Obviously, Dak is comfortable and under contract, but still it seems like there's a lot of pressure on this team. Yeah, it, it, well – uh, Dak likes to say pressure is privilege, and I really like that because um, it gives you an opportunity to uh, see what you're made of or crack. But there's there's no question there's some urgency. How about that for a word? Mm. Uh, they've been to, you know, the playoffs. Here's one thing that they when they made the playoffs and won 12 games for the second year in a row, it was the first time in like 15 years they had done those two things. Right. So you can't say they're not successful. You can. That that huge part of our population that defines success only as the person holding up the hardware at the end of the year, they would say they weren't successful. I'm not of that mind. I think it's hard to say they were not successful. Uh, but they they expect more of themselves. They want more of themselves. Here's the problem for them. I just saw a little clip. A friend of mine is a personal friend of uh, uh, the 49ers uh, center, Jake Brendel. And he was talking about how how hungry they are because they've got all this talent and all of this, and they haven't won the Super Bowl, haven't been to the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. So Dallas is not the only hungry team. Mm. Dallas is not the only motivated team. I think they're good. And usually, especially with the way preseasons are and the youth of the roster, I think they'll get better as the season goes along. Uh, but uh, I do think there's a sense of urgency because it has been a minute since they played in one of the last two games of the year. Yeah, right? it's, it's been chic for um, ever since Mike McCarthy took over to say that he particularly – is on the hot seat, and I, this is more of you know national media perspective, and also because of the special sauce you get with Jerry Jones, constantly talking about the glory days. It's a little bit different than an absentee owner that's somewhere in Europe. I would challenge you to find me a place where Jerry spends a lot of time talking about the glory days. Mm. Well, I can think of a, one press conference where they panned over to the Super Bowl trophies at one point, but you're, maybe he's toned down on that. Jerry's but. not walking around here talking about, gee, I wish this was the 90s. Gee, I wish our team was as good as the triplets team. Jerry mm. never – I've never heard him say that. Does he want to win another one or two or three? <laughs> You're darn right he does. But he doesn't talk about that. Mm. That's – that's it's valid, I think, but it's a media-driven – Narrative. That's why it's good to come here, I guess, and unearth that truth. Well, he That's also why he's the sham god. He he also wants those eighty eights, <laughs> and I, I'm sure he he loves all the Michael Irvin jerseys out there. But I I was coming in thinking like there are still more eighty eight Irvins than there are eighty eight Lambs. Yeah, and um, why do you think that is? Yeah, be, because of what you said. You you're out here though. I mean, you've been working for this with this team now for over forty years. But you're out here grinding like a journal. You're at the the side press conference asking questions. You're finding out everything. What what have you learned in these first two 
weeks of training camp. Anyone flashing? Any surprises? Positions that yeah, are a you know there are expected? the flashing is a key word because that's that is really what you kind of get. I remember Leon Lett flashed, and then you say, "I better pay attention to him." And Eric Williams flashed. Now we're talking about a situation where they what have they had four padded practices? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get the same kind of handle. And uh, I can't imagine how many of their starters will see play football in the next three weeks. So what you get is a sense of younger guys who might have a chance to be something. I think their safety position is pretty good. Uh, I think that they um, they have some defensive linemen more than they've had in the past. I think, uh, I think their wide receiver room is vastly improved, not just because they added Brandon Cooks, but because of some internal growth and Michael Gallup was just a shadow of himself last year. He wasn't Michael Gallup. You know, I thought anyone who watched them play the 49ers in the playoffs could clearly see that, especially when Tony Pollard went out in the second half, uh, CeeDee Lamb was the only playmaker that Prescott had available, which I personally, based on all my years of coaching, thinks uh, I personally think that had something to do with his interceptions, uh, I think, Mm. which was an outlier statistic for him. But he didn't he didn't have. I mean, I, I love Zeke Elliott, and I frankly, they, you know, they've gone a long time without ever asking me what a personnel decision should be. I would love to have him here. I would think he. Could I think they're fit. making a mistake. I think they should. Somebody will. Somebody. Well, it's a mistake if nobody's able to play that role. No, I mean a mistake not having you on the, uh, the oh. personnel <laughs> staff. Yeah, no, trust me, there. That's not a mistake. But um, but someone's got to do that. And, and so you, what you see out here, so when, that's a great example. What do you see? Well, I don't really need to watch much of Tony Pollard, I, I'm not, but I do want to see the two guys behind him. Everybody wants to see Deuce Vaughn, but I watched him play in college. I know what Deuce Vaughn is. He's, he's, he is Warren Sproles, I think, hmm. uh, Darren Sproles. Uh, I, I, think, I think that's who he is. But, but the two guys behind him, I, I really like Malik Davis. Uh, but uh, Dowdles, the guy who's been hurt for two years, I think they think of him as more of a short yardage back. I don't know how much of it here you see. You know, you, you guys just heard Mike McCarthy's talking about they are, they have like two or three more installation periods this week to put in specific things. So when you get into a game, a preseason game, and it's third and one. Now let's see who they give the ball to, and let's see what they try. Those are the things that you look for. But, I mean, I think they've got some quality all over the place. And uh, is it going to be enough? They have to play complementary football. And one thing they got to do is find a kicker. Mm. You know, shame on us for burying the lead. We are also journalists, and we've done this entirely. We've had two um, people appear on our show ever that appeared in a major motion picture directed by Oliver Stone. Jim Brown was one a um, number of years ago. But you, we Yikes. learned – also appeared. In I think I'm totally intimidated. I have to leave. <laughs> well, now. I mean, but we, we are. You appeared in Oliver Stone's I, W. I did. I did. It was. Uh, it's too long a story to go into about how I got it, but I did get it. And uh, I'll tell you the big thrill. So, I played a reporter who, parenthetically, it turns out was John Dickerson, who is one of my heroes. I think. I, I think he's just one of the greatest uh, working journalists in, in America, and he was at Time Magazine. When he asked President Bush uh, at a news conference, which I remember watching, 
what would you say were your biggest mistakes and what have you learned from them? And, uh, and, and President Bush could not really answer the question. He had a hard time with it. And, you know, I knew him, I know him a little bit. I, when, he, when he was the owner of the Texas Rangers, I dealt with him quite a bit. And uh, I was doing Ranger games when he was governor. Wow. And he would come up and every now and then he'd sit in a booth and spend some time with us. So uh, one, of the great, one of the great treats for me in that process was uh, about a month before we shot the scene, um, rehearsing it, shot it in Shreveport, rehearsing it with uh, Stone and Josh Brolin. And uh, there's nobody in the room but the, the three of us and a couple of uh, staffers. And so Brolin wants to understand what, and he's really digging. He's getting his hands dirty trying to get Ooh. inside George Bush's head. What, what's so hard about that question? Ooh. I don't get it. And so I said, Josh, I, I don't, I'm not saying we go to dinner all the time, but I, I mean, I know the guy a little bit. Which, and then his eyes got wide <laughs> like that. And uh, I said, here's the thing. I, I think that George Bush had trouble answering that question because in his mind, you don't have to agree with him, but in his mind, everything he did from weapons of mass destruction and everything else, all of those things, especially in the, in the war buildup, he did based on the best evidence he could get, and he believed he was doing the right thing. So when you have all your people telling you this is how it is, Mr. President, and this is what we recommend, then what are you supposed to do? That's why you have advisors. So I said, I think the guy didn't answer it because he really didn't think he did anything wrong. He took himself back through the process, and, and he made the best decision he could based on the information that he had at the time in his opinion. And the other thing I said to him was uh, – you don't have to agree with George Bush's politics, and you can think the job's a little too big for him. But I'm just telling you, he, he's really a good guy, and which he is. He is George, George W. Bush is really a good guy. Mm. He's the kind of guy you would like to hang out with. And that really resonated. Well, just seeing Brolin in his process was, I don't when am I going to get a chance to do anything like that? Then the whole... Shooting the scene was surreal. Have I got like 30 seconds to tell you one more <laughs> sure, part? Yeah, sure. Let it rip. So I come into town the night before we shoot the scene. Late, probably midnight by the time I got to the hotel room. And they slide the call sheet under the door. So here's who's you here's who your first thing I thought was it's midnight. I just got here. Please don't let this be 6 a.m. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was 10 o'clock. OK, good. Now, this, the, the um, call sheet shows you with whom you are in the scene. So here's uh, Rob Cordry, who's playing uh, Shapiro, the press secretary, and Toby Jones is playing Carl Rove. And, uh, and so they're all standing up along. And I was fine reading until I saw Richard Dreyfus. It's <laughs> a tough one. Who's mm. playing, who's playing yeah. Cheney. And, and I, I'm all alone sitting in this hotel room, and I looked up and said out loud, I looked at Richard Dreyfuss's <laughs> name, and I said, what the blank am I doing here? Uh, and they, but they were all great. It was, it was 
I mean, I love what I do. I've got a passion for what I do or I wouldn't have been doing it so long. But that, that's got to be the most fun I ever had working, probably because I don't do it very often. It's wild. That's cool. I wonder who we're going to get next from the Oliver Stone tree. But <laughs> we got two good ones so far, Jim Brown and the great Brad Sham. Thank you so much for your you time, bet. and we'll be listening to you again this season. God willing. Thank you. All right, there goes Brad. Very good. I would say, Mark, if – okay, so we got Sham God uh, from W, 2006. We got the late Jim Brown from Any Given Sunday, 99. Maybe we get a little Woody Harrelson next. Mm. I think that would fit. A little Natural I mean, Born Killers. Fit right into the show. There's such an obvious choice here. Someone that um, you've been trying to bring back his catchphrase for the better part of a decade. It's Charlie Sheen. Chaz I mean, Sheen. I think we're at the point where our, Great ca- call. our careers have been on a slow incline. I'm not saying meteoric, but a slow incline. Right. I think we're at the point now. He's going the other way. We're going to meet. Sheen, I'm just saying he hasn't had a ton of airtime. Maybe he's ready to join the Around the NFL podcast. I think it would, bef- it would benefit both sides now, a little platoon look back. Yeah. That's a great call. And speaking of <laughs> Hollywood and just how different is Cowboys camp than anywhere else, uh, I I honestly for a second thought it was Tom Cruise. I mean, so I totally get check, you're check out from. our socials for the yeah. for the reference. A, yes. a, a an, Tom Cruise lookalike, an incredible it. Tom Cruise um, clone uh, w- who could do the laugh, the gestures. But he, here's the thing that I'd realize: he's walking by in a in a literally a Top Gun outfit, which is like not something that Tom and the actual Tom Cruise would do. But but your reality stopped for a minute when you saw it. Right, and they came in and took some photos with us. Could have been nicer. And I maybe, did. I, maybe I, it's like a Make a Wish thing. Maybe you know Jerry Jones is paying him uh, a million dollars to go to a party. But the real the real Tom please Cruise wouldn't up. do that for us. Yeah, please dress well, up. Well, I so left he it, would. Two things. Yeah. I left it purposely vague on social to see you know how people react to it. They don't know whether if we think he's the real Tom Cruise or not. Let's see what the response are. Second, all second. He is wearing one of his character's outfits from Maverick. And right now there's a very contentious labor issue going on with the actors. Tom Cruise is maybe the most famous actor and is a, a kind of a spokesman. If the real Tom Cruise knew that there was a fake Tom Cruise dressing as one of his movie characters, mm. he might have him. Well, that's Tom, yeah. I would not it's mess a powerful with Tom man. Cruise. A powerful guy. So well, I, I hope he. Um, I mean, he's handing out business cards and trying to. Yeah, get he's not trying business, to. So. You can actually. Yeah, shoot him he's a got a whole media kit. Uh, he's got a lot going on. All right. Any other thoughts? Uh, that was great talking to the Sham God, <laughs> though. Uh, whenever you talk to these guys that have become a part of the show, uh, very nice gentleman. We actually did another, you know, twenty minutes on uh, W chopping it up. His history. Uh, 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 with Oliver Stone. <laughs> Told us some Oliver Stone nuggets that were uh, juicy. Um, all right. So what have we learned today? What have we learned? The Cowboys are going to be good. They're America's team. Uh, yeah, Cowboys haters will, they could be uh, great. will not like this episode. But if you <laughs> no, made it this so. far, you just can't. That means you just love us. So thank you. Yes, we thank you for that. We thank you, uh, Dallas Cowboys, for allowing us to come by here and and set up shop. Hopefully they'll have us back uh, again in the future. Thank you to Eric, Randy, Parker, and Jay behind the scenes for making this thing go very smooth. Not behind the glass, though. Just in a big hot tent with all of us. Yes. Thank you to Brian Schottenheimer for um, mm. dressing like uh, like Eminem in 1999. I, I appreciate uh, his forever young attitude. Thanks for Eric for uh, standing with me uh, in the shorts gang and, and showing off some 
Sweet leg tattoos. Thank did not know. Oh my existed. God, Eric! Surprises they they never cease. Greg, thank you for wearing the longer shorts. You're right. <laughs> Mark, thank you for wearing the Panama Jack hat out on the field. Yes, uh, you looked very slick, and maybe perhaps we can get a photo of that for the audience. I will source one. Okay, very good. Immediately, ASAP. Anything else? From me, I'm good. <laughs> All right, we got a long ride uh, back uh, down to LA. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. We'll be back Wednesday from uh, SoFi Stadium or the – I'm thinking SoFi Stadium because I'm going to see Taylor Swift. You got you to gotta catch a I bird. Gotta, you got to go. got to catch a bird. Only I don't got a bird, so I got to hit the road. But thank you to everybody. Uh, until Wednesday, you know what you got to do. Heed the call. Cowboys, 11 and 6. 12 and 12, 12 wins. Uh, what kind of run do we make? 11. One, win, one playoff loss. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.